the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider, brought to you by the Hyundai A-League. Be part of the action this season. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson and joining me as always these days is uh, online editor Kevin Ayres. Just can't get rid of me. I know. Excellent. Right. Where do we start? Let's start with the preliminary final um, in what is our penultimate podcast of the 2011-12 A-League season. Um, One all it finished after 90 minutes. Um, Kwasnik with uh, a goal from uh, for the Mariners was... Cancelled out by Shane Smeltz. Perth, the victors, 5-3 on penalties. Kev, what do we make of it? Um, uh, it was an interesting game, actually. Uh, the, the first half, although it had two goals, didn't really come to life much, I felt. Um, but second half, uh, although it didn't produce any other goals that were illegal, um, was a much, much better game. Um, a lot of controversy in the game. Mariners uh, felt the first day Smelt's goal was offside, uh, got a penalty, yeah. smashed the bar, uh, and uh, second goal by the glory was disallowed as well. Um, so the Mariners had plenty of chances, didn't take them, paid the price. By the, the end of extra time, the glory were out on their feet though. I mean, uh, they really, not one of them could run a yard more. <laughs> They were dead to the world and they'd run out of subs. Uh, so I think they were grateful for the penalties and grateful to hang on as long as they did. Well, uh, they kept their nerve well. I mean, just, you know, considering that they were, as you say, they were dead on their feet in the, in the, the last, last stages of extra time. Um, they slotted every penalty. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I didn't see any of the penalties. I was actually down at the, behind the goal with the, uh, the Yellow Fever fans, which was fantastic, by the way. They, the whole... Most of the stadium came behind the, the goals for the, the shootout. Including the Glory fans, I saw. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and it went from being the <laughs> Mariners to actually being a proper uh, football crowd. And it was, the atmosphere was electric. However, I had my back to the goals the whole time taking pictures and almost got taken out by uh, Michael McGlinchey. His missed penalty literally whistled past really? my head. And I was taking pictures, and all I saw was these shocked looks of all the people whose faces I was taking pictures of. Well, and you <laughs> I had no idea. I just saw the ball bouncing around. Oh, that's what that was, right. Um, so Your grads yeah. were for camera equipment. Exactly. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, and in, in Svansvig and McGlinchey, it was a shame that, that probably you know the two standout Mariners players of the season were the ones that missed it was. crucial yeah, penalties, no, it, one in normal time and... One in the in the shootout. It was it was a shocking way for them to to finish their seasons personally because they've both been brilliant this season. Svansvika especially, uh, and McGlinchey too. Uh, nobody would wish that upon them. But you know, them's the breaks. That's football. Unfortunately, it happens, and hopefully they'll bounce back from it and realise that uh, you know, one bad match. Uh, I think Arnie was more upset than anybody uh, about the whole thing, and apparently went in a bit of a whinge fest. Final whistle. It's not like Arnie. No, no, it's most unusual. Um, well, you know, obviously, glory, um, vindication for um, for Ian Ferguson, taking it to the grand final. Absolutely. You know? Uh, you know, I think I've been one of Fergie's biggest critics uh, since he was appointed. I didn't think it was the right appointment in the first place. Didn't wasn't impressed by uh, what he was doing mid-season. And it was interesting. You know, we. Uh, have interviewed him for the grand final program which we've been doing this week uh, and he actually admits that he was screwing around with the formations uh, that caused that mid-season slump and it's what I was saying you know I said that the squad was too good for him to screw it up uh, and he almost proved me wrong but he was literally trying to fit everybody in badly he had a good formation he then tried to tweak it and just completely lost the plot and then went back to what was working brought in McGarry in behind the uh, the front man and it all worked perfectly and it's what you know anybody should have said he should have been doing to begin with but I think he has learnt his lesson he did admit he was wrong uh, and that's a huge sign for the future and you know got to say I'm delighted for him I genuinely am delighted for him uh, delighted for the Perth Glory fans it's about time they had a, a taste of this again 
Yep. All right, well, we'll save uh, preview in the final to, to part four, because that's what we've got earmarked for that. Um, obviously, Aussie teams in action uh, Tuesday, Wednesday night, uh, differing fortunes. Um, Brisbane Rules campaign was dealt a, a severe blow, uh, if not a terminal blow. Probably is a terminal blow. I mean, mathematically, it could probably just do that quite well, but very unlikely. Um, went down 2-1 at home to All San Hyundai. It's ironic there. Hyundai beating the Hyundai A-League team. <laughs> um, what do we make of this? I think it's a shame for Roar. But have not won a game yet. No. Uh, our, our great hopes in the Asian Champions League. Yeah, I mean, they are in a very, very hard group. Uh, truth be told, probably the hardest of the, of the lot of them. But it's interesting. Postacoglu came out and, as he always does, takes it square in the chin and says, we're just not good enough. Uh, uh, and that, that's an interesting statement, to be honest, because Adelaide United's performance, not just this year, but in previous years as well, suggests that it doesn't necessarily, you don't have to have the big but salaries. Are, but are we seeing here that, 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 that they're not good enough to play that way against other teams that play that style of football? I, and effectively, they're getting outroared by more technical, well, better structured uh, teams. Whereas yeah. Adelaide come in with a, a different style. Sure. That, you know, often it's a bit more physical, it's a bit more direct. You know, they're willing to sort of muscle their way through it when they need to. Yeah, I'm not is sure. Is it as simple as that? I'm not sure. I'm not sh- I honestly don't know what it is, uh, if it can be boiled down to something as simple as that. I think, you know, th- there is also, I think it was Eric Parsley was saying that, you know, we need to be more canny, we need to be a bit wiser on the field in the sense of playing to the officials. Yeah. Um, and the Asians are obviously, the, the Asian teams obviously have a lot of uh, skill at uh, making sure the referee knows of any contact that's been made. Uh, but also, they, you know, they're generally, particularly the Japanese sides and increasingly the Korean sides, play that high-pressing game of football. And is it just a better level of high-pressing football than they come across in the A-League? <laughs> I think Roar should be a match for these teams. Uh, and you know, I think it goes back to, to what some of the managers were saying earlier in the season, that uh, in the domestic games, that they've just not been getting the run of luck. Uh, they've had chances, they've not necessarily taken them. Um, it, it's been borderline cases in many of the games that uh, have just edged them out. I think this is a huge learning experience for them. But I, I wouldn't necessarily discount Brisbane Roar on the basis of what looks like a set of really bad results. Uh, I think it, don't think it's a fair reflection of the performances they put in, uh, or the, their skill level, or where they're at in terms of other teams in Asia. I think on the day, most of those games could have gone the other way quite easily, uh, and it wouldn't have been any surprise to anybody. Okay. Uh, that was a Tuesday night game. Two games last night, uh, differing uh, results for the uh, for the A League teams. Um, Central Coast Mariners probably not surprisingly having uh, come from a penalty shootout defeat, then 7:30 a.m. to get on a flight out to uh, to Korea, and were soundly beaten by Seung Lam Chun Ma. Five <clears> 0 <throat> was the final score. Um, was this a, a game too far for the Mariners, you think? I think it probably was, but it, it was interesting, you know, that uh, after the grand final, Arnie said that we were going to focus on Europe, on Asia. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, this happens. But they're also uh, probably thinking, thank God we're not playing in the grand final. <laughs> no, sure, sure. Because uh, they, they wouldn't be getting back till probably Saturday. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was a, a schedule from hell for them. But, you know, Roar equally were away last week and... Uh, Hey, sorry, two weeks ago and uh, backed up. Uh, when you're playing at the highest level, these these are the things you have to do, unfortunately. But it was a it was an absolute hammering for Mariners, and you know it, there was pictures came in from Getty of the boys coming off the field afterwards, and they were devastated. I think I saw Wilco in tears. You know, uh, th- that was an embarrassing defeat for them. But um, it also might be a little bit of the emotion coming out from the weekend. As oh well. yeah, Do you know it, what I mean? it's, it's just like, been a hell of a week for yeah. them. An absolute yeah. hell of a week, and uh, uh, in every way they've been battered this week. And if they lose Arnie, uh, presumably, pretty much looking almost definite after the uh, the final ACL game, uh, it's the new manager coming in has got a lot of lifting up to do with these guys. Uh, and it's a shame because you know they won the Premier's play; they they had a great season. 
uh, but they're going to feel like this is a it's funny in, a you shocking know, in, any, in any other football nation they'd be champions absolutely they'd, and yeah. they'd be hailed now as heroes like complete losers yeah know? exactly and yeah. it's a terrible way for them to end this season as a result um, the one shining light continues to be Adelaide uh, just on the Mariners I mean they're, they're, they're bottom of the group but it's a pretty tight group with the Two teams on six points and two teams on three points. So they're not out of it yet. Um, they're not. But they need to win the last two games to have any on chance. The, on the run of the form that's been yeah. going. Uh, and, you know, but, you know, they're playing at home against Tangen. Uh, Tangen? Tangen? Tangen Tader. Uh, so you would hope that Tangen Tader are just above them with the same points. You would hope they've got a chance of a win there. Uh, Maybe, you know, a week to regroup and put it all behind them and get back on the park and, yeah. so, you know, just... And recover basically physically and mentally. I think he needs to take a, a lesson from Fergie's book and take them off to the golf course for a, a yeah. couple of days and just get the head straight again. Okay. Uh, as you said, as we started talking about Adelaide, uh, a great win last night. Uh, late winner for Bruce Gitte, 89th minute against the Pohang Steelers. Um, saw Adelaide go top of the group with nine points from four games. Uh, Pohang and Bunyad Kaur are on six points and Gamba Osaka surprisingly bottom of the group on three points two games to go um, so one more win for Adelaide would, um, would see them through with a game to spare pretty much through home and dried as yeah. it is uh, it take a lot for them to, to not get through now uh, phenomenal you're the coach talk me through it yeah <laughs> I mean you know you tell me like about about Cosy and what he's done but I just think I think they've, they've just got that confidence in this tournament. I think the confidence of doing it before, I, I, they go into games and I think they just don't have that fear necessarily. And they've copped a couple of spankings, I mean, you know, along the way. And I yeah. think they, you know, they've got that acceptance of, right, if we lose, you lose, you put it behind yourself. Like Galekovic, great example, you know. Villain last week made a phenomenal save last night. One of the best saves I've seen this season. Yeah. Um, and... Then, you know, they just have that mental ability, whether it's the coach that's driving that, I would imagine that it probably is. Because <laughs> he's like, right, forget about it. There's nothing you can do. We can go out and we'll beat them. Um, and I think, you know, that fear is a, is a big thing, you know. And once you come up against sides mentally and you're like, ooh, I think we might be struggling here, you inde- in, invariably you do. Yeah. Um, After the season they've had as well, I mean, they've gone into Asia with absolutely nothing to lose. I mean, the, the season couldn't really get much worse than what it did domestically. So, uh, uh, you know, they're coming into it with a clean slate with no expectations upon them either no, until now. And the key thing is for them is their, you know, is that goals against column. Yeah. You know, they've only conceded four goals in four games. You know, you compare that with the Mariners who have conceded 12 and Brisbane have conceded eight. Yeah. You know, that's the key to the Asian Champions League is... Is not, not conceding silly goals and accepting that. You know, we'll talk about the, champ- the UEFA Champions League. Accepting that in these games you are going to be under pressure, you are going to concede a lot of possession. Yeah. But understanding that that can be your game plan is to sit and soak that up. Just don't concede silly goals. Yeah. And wait for your opportunity. And last night it took 89 minutes, but the opportunity came and they won the game. Yeah. Yeah. The interesting thing is, I think you know Adelaide United finally living up to that squad's potential. Yeah, and we've and, had Vidasic as well, you know. Yeah, it's true. But can you imagine if they had been playing like this back at the beginning, hadn't got humped seven-one by Brisbane Roar, which just smashed them? They never ever recovered from that uh, in the season. If that hadn't happened, where would their season have ended up? Because yeah. I, I still think they had title-contending uh, squad there. But as they're proving that. Yeah, absolutely. Know. Good luck to them. All right, well, that's, uh, that's it for part one. We'll be back in part two for a busy uh, news week as we lead into uh, grand final weekend. And then we'll, uh, later on, we'll take a look at the, what's going on in Europe and then preview the grand final. So stay with us. The new issue of 442 is on sale now. We talk to Arsenal captain Robin Van Persie about how he became the most lethal striker in the EPL and Man City, while United legend Dennis Law answers your questions. Come with us to Russia to catch up with Socceroo Luke Wilkshire. We meet Brisbane Roar's Ivan Franjic and ask whether the tackle is dead in modern-day football. If it's in the game, it's in 442. On sale now at newsagents and the App Store. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. We're going to look at some of the headlines from our website, au.442.com now. 
And uh, news broke this week that um, Juventus are likely to be uh, our next uh, big club tour in Down Under, uh, looking like one game in May. Um, our sort of mail is that that will be in Sydney uh, against Sydney FC. Um, mates, I mean, you know, we've, we've seen a few touring teams come down to, uh, to varying degrees of success, but I guess the one sort of jewel in this ground is that it's like to be Del Piero's uh, swan song for Juventus, which will bring a lot of people, general football fans, out of the woodwork, I think. Mm. Obviously, given the timing, there's not going to be any of their current Italians because they'll be on a World Cup duty. Euro, um, Euro 2012 duty, sorry. Um, so it will be, you know, a predominantly, uh, not second string, but squad. But then Del Piero is the, uh, is the diamond in the rough. What do we think here? Well, I think it would be a fantastic occasion. It would be great. Uh, I'm sure the streets of Leichhardt will be empty. If you ever want to get a table on Norton Street, <laughs> that's the night. Well, no, because there will be no one to serve you. <laughs> or to cook. <laughs> It'll be females only night. <laughs> um, but no, it'll be... Uh, uh, what a, send, what a great thing for Australia to, to send off Alessandro Del Piero. Uh, it's a great honour for us, and I'm quite surprised, to be honest, that he's planning to play his final match here. You'd think he might try and do something against uh, Inter or Lazio or something in a uh, special one-off testimonial back in Italy. But uh, to do it out here, great. Sydney right. FC. be interesting to see how Sydney copes with, um, without a coach. Yeah, and, and only 16 players. Yeah. So. But uh, against the second string Juventus side, yeah, might even might, give them a chance. Might drop my CV and see if they need someone short term. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, new Socceroos kit was uh, home kit was revealed this week uh, with Lucas Neal uh, sporting that. Saw early pictures on our website, and we'll see uh, more of the boys in that in the uh, new issue of Four Four Two. It's basically as as we uh, suspected it would be. It's the home version of the away strip that they wore against Saudi Arabia. Um, I'd say 99.9% positive response to it. I Really, I think I've only seen maybe one person, yeah. literally, uh, yeah. who's disliked it. I think it's phenomenal. I love it. It's yeah, great. Very good. It's the first one since 2006 that uh, I've really just adored. Uh, it's great. Love it. Uh, I got sent uh, from our friends at Nike, I got sent a, a, a box with it in on the, on the morning, and it's one of the player-grade shirts, which... It's a little snug. <laughs> it's an XL, but you'd never guess it. The way Seriously, it that was an Yeah. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah, those that was player tight. grade ones are really fitted. They yeah. are. Uh, it's so light as well. I mean, that's the lightest one I've ever picked lighter, up. lighter, apparently. Uh, seriously, I'd, honestly, I'd never picked up a shirt, a uh, playing shirt that's that light. Uh, with the holes, the perforations down the side as well, which you only get in the player one, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and... The fact that it's the embroidered badge, not the stick-on one, uh, and just the whole general lightness is just, it's just incredible. And it looks great. Really, really impressed by that one. Uh, yeah, so they'll be wearing that for the first time for the uh, home qualifier against Japan up at Suncorp in June. So I'm sure the boys will look uh, spectacular. Hopefully we get the result as well. Um, in other news, Brendan Schwab has announced that he is uh, standing down from the PFA, um, although will remain... Uh, involved in the uh, ongoing collective bargaining agreement. He's going to focus more on his role within FIFA Pro uh, in Asia, um, but will also be a you know, freelance legal consultant, sports legal consultant, which is he will be retained by the PFA to manage that. Um, mixed responses? Yeah, you know, I, to... I think generally speaking, everybody has always regarded Brendan as a very, very good advocate for the players. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I mean, we've crossed swords with him a couple of times just on uh, us doing certain things which haven't reflected well on his members, and he's stood up for them as yeah. that's his job. Uh, good on him for doing so, even though we disagreed with it at the time. But uh, I also think as well, the, but, the manner in which he goes about his business is something that People, you know, even when you're having a disagreement with him, it's always uh, very polite. He's and very civilized. Yeah, you know, very civilized. Never resorts to personal taunts or insults. He, there isn't necessarily a lot of laughs and <laughs>, conversations with Brendan Schwab, but uh, he is very good and efficient at what he does. I think the interesting thing now, though, is that he is a free agent in the sense that if key jobs came up at the FFA, he would no longer be. Uh, the fact that he's with the PFA wouldn't necessarily be seen as a, a bad thing 
whereas it would have done before. Uh, he is in a position where he could apply and be, you know, seem to be not have that baggage with him. Uh, I still think he has aspirations to lead the FFA really? one day. I'm convinced of it. Uh, oh, that's one not, way I look at it. The other way I look at it is he's, he's sort of looked at the guy and thought, you know what, I need to detach myself from this for a little while and uh, attach myself with Asian football. And, yeah, know. I mean, certainly I can see the thought to that, that, you know, uh, it's not necessarily the, the greatest place to be Australian football at the moment, which is bizarre given how successful it's been in many other departments. Um, but... Uh, I, th- I think it's, it's more likely a long-term play to uh, be in a p- better position to, to apply for a top job with the FFA. Okay. Well, certainly, you know, I mean, it's 20 years' experience of working, uh, you know, very closely with the various football governing bodies that we've had here and CEOs and chairmen. And so, to, you know, we, we really hope that somebody with his experience and, and uh, you know, professionalism does stay involved with the game because we need all the quality people that we can. I have a lot of respect for Brendan Schwab's views, his insight and his knowledge. I disagree with certain aspects of it, but for the most part, he, he does know what he, well, in every way he knows what he's talking about. Uh, we just disagree in the interpretation sometimes. Uh-huh. Uh, Adam Federici, big congratulations to uh, Big Fed, who's uh, read in one promotion to the uh, Premier League. So we'll have another Aussie in the Premier League, so it's good. Yeah. Um, they're not guaranteed the uh, the championship just yet. I think they need another win to do that, which I think they've got. Is it Forest they've got this weekend? No, they just um, beat Forest. Oh, that's it. They beat 1-0, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so one win should see them uh, seal the, the championship, which will be another uh, fantastic result for him. Um, and what a run from Reading. Oh, stunning. Yeah, they, were, yeah. they were nowhere at December. Yeah, incredible. Uh, and I'm sure it's breaking Trev's heart as well, because it's at West Ham's uh, expense. expense. Yeah. Uh, Curtis Good, a Melbourne Heart, who uh, he came in and um, had a fantastic debut. Um, now he's off for a, a trial with the Toon. As I understand it, that's been a long time coming. Actually, we've just, just been waiting for the end of the season, basically, right, to okay. uh, give him some clear air to, to make the trip over. Uh, and I think they're very, very keen on him. So he certainly looked the goods. Yep. What little we saw of him in the A League. Um, Ange Postacoglu remains a, a man in demand. Uh, obviously, we talked about the uh, the overtones of his, mo- his pending move to Melbourne. Possibly, uh, it's rumoured that the backeries have have countered that with a with a big money offer to be a, a football director role within their their group of clubs. I heard a very interesting rumour last oh, night. Like. Very interesting. That the Bakris have now accepted that they can't keep Ange, right. but they have broken open this war chest, this six million dollar war chest. It's Only brilliant, in football it? is that. It's term. brilliant, isn't it? War chest. It's like they don't swooping. Even, don't even use Hello. it in wars. <laughs> Somebody's swooping because they've got a war chest. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, but the name that they've got lined up instead, apparently, we still to check this out, and it's unconfirmed, so I'm not going to be Come held on. to it. Spit it out. Patrick Cliver. Patrick Cliver, interesting. Talk me through his coaching. Well, he he was out here uh, not too long ago with yeah. Roar, and yeah, uh, yeah they uh, they reckon that he might be the man. Job. Yep. Interesting. Uh, certainly got the the orange connection the, the orange connection the pedigree would have the the interest and the following whether he's got the the coaching ability remains to be seen I suppose he, you know Dutch would suit the system that they play exactly that everything mentality everyth- like ex-Ajax yep. came for the Ajax academy so yeah yep. I can see that yeah I can see it too I can definitely see it um, we're trying to check it out Probably won't get anybody confirming it at all until uh, the appointment's made, certainly while Ange is still swithering. But uh, if that's the name on the horizon, it's going to be an interesting one for mm. uh, for, uh, for uh, Roar and their fans. Okay. Um, one last thing before we uh, go to part three is uh, if you sit on our website, there is a Tiger Street soccer uh cage football, five-a-side football competition. Uh, 4-4-2, we have somehow managed to bag a wild-card entry into the final itself. There are some qualifying tournaments going on. We're, we're in the final. It's in Sydney on June the 30th, Saturday, June the 30th, at the Overseas Passenger Terminal. 
and we are rubbish at football, so we need some help. So we're looking for some readers to join our team. Obviously, you've got to be over 18, male, and based in Sydney. Um, but if you're all of those three things, uh, we want to hear from you. So drop us a line, go onto the website, tell us why you deserve to be on our team, and you might end up... Uh, basically playing a little bit of football and drinking a lot of Tiger beer with us. I was um, going to say, there is a lot of Tiger beer in offer. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, get onto the website. All right, that's it for part two. We'll be back in part three to talk Premier League, FA Cup, Champions League. Attention listeners, this is an urgent message for all iPhone and Android users. Here's the facts. Last year, people downloaded $16 billion of apps for their phones, and that number is growing fast. In five years, this will grow 1,600%. If you've ever had an idea for an app, then we want to speak to you. For a free, no-obligation, fully confidential profit analysis of your idea, call 1-800-709-291 right now. At Appster, we make great apps. Here's your idea next. That number again, 1-800-709-291. That's one 800 709 Back to 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to part three of this week's 442 Insider podcast. Uh, let's turn our attention to Europe now. FA Cup semi finals happened over the weekend. Um, good news for one Aussie, bad news for the other. Uh, Tim Cale, unfortunately, uh, didn't make his third FA Cup final. They were beaten 2 1 by Liverpool. Uh, Brad Jones, obviously, in the Liverpool side. Uh, late Andy, Car- Andy Carroll winner for the second game on the trot for Liverpool. Yeah, is he coming good or is everyone else just getting worse? Yeah, but you got to. What's the average cost of those goals? Yeah, off the back of his head as well. Oh, is it? Yeah, I didn't see the match. It was on a silly time for me. I was coming down the motorway from. Uh, oh, of course, cool, so yeah, that was an early kickoff. I watched. I've got to be honest. Like I watched the first half. Sort of nodding off. Really? <laughs> First off, wasn't particularly inspiring. It was summed up by Everton's goal, which was just a. If you want to see some, if you think we have some common def- defending in the A League, watch Everton's first goal. It was ridiculous. Oh, uh, I think there was a handball in there. There was an offside in there. Carragher whacked it against someone else, and it dropped at Jelovic's feet, who just slotted it in. Um, Sunday saw. Uh, a rout, really, although that, that doesn't tell the whole story. It ended up being a, a, a walloping from Chelsea 5, Spurs 1. Um, but it was a key decision, given that shouldn't have been. Goal was given when it was nowhere near over the line, uh, which made it 2-1 to Chelsea. Um, what do you think of that? I mean, obviously the clamours for goal line technology keep coming. Well, I mean, it, how, it, how many more decisions like this in key games do we have to have before they go? And, and the thing to me, did did these decisions not get made before we had video cameras and TV? You know, the, the, the game's got a long history. We've we've had referees making No one knew that. You know, those are the other people that were there saw it, and then it's like, well. Yeah, but even the people but now, that... you, when you know things are wrong, and there are, but also there right. are there are mi- tens of millions of pounds at stake, and people's jobs and careers, and for basic errors like that. I agree that we have the technology, we can do it, and there is a lot of money at stake. But at the end of the day, it's supposed to be the game that you play in your backyard is the same game they play in Wembley. If you start bringing technology in that you can't use in your backyard, is it the same game? But when you're playing in the in your backyard and someone says it's over the line and the other one said it wasn't, you go to your dad and you say, Dad, can you adjudicate on this? Because he said it was over and I didn't. What do you reckon? And he goes, it was in. Isn't that what we're talking about? Yeah, referee's decision is final. No, we're talking about going no, to the refer- referee's decision is watching from afar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I know they're talking about you know, chips in balls and Hawkeye technology. I don't think it's as complicated as that. They've got cameras everywhere now. You know, none of the decisions, that, none of the decisions that we've talked about, couldn't have been cleared up with somebody, even the fourth official, just looking at a TV screen with the pictures that someone else is seeing and going, "That wasn't over the line," or "That was over the line." I am actually playing devil's advocate because I'm yeah. a, a full believer in video technology yeah. I, I think we should have it we shouldn't call offside for example in my opinion unless a goal is scored uh, or you know an advantage is an obvious yeah. advantage happens at which point if there is a doubt about it if the, the sideline guy is waving his flag 
go back, give it to the video ref and have a look at it and see if it should have been given or not. And it will take 30 seconds. Job done. We carry on with mm. it. But I still agree. I understand the fundamental principle that you can't do that. Uh, for example, the New South Wales Premier League matches, you're not going to be able to do that because if you're lucky, you'll have one guy in the stands with his iPhone uh, videoing it. Yeah, I think we have to accept that it's not going to be at every level of the game. Yeah. But what's at stake is not at every level of the game. But, well, to a certain extent it is, though, you know, because, you know, New South Wales, who, then, who, then, who wins the New South Wales Premier then, League that, is like, a big that's deal. That's like saying that no amateur game should kick off unless there are two linesmen. Most amateur games kick off where there's no ref. <laughs> you know, like, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you can't say, well, unless you get exactly what you've got at the top. You know, the Champions League has, you know, five officials. I can understand the, the push for things like chips and balls because the actual cost of that, implementing that, I can see is probably going to be quite low. With modern technology, you get one sensor in the goalpost and one sensor in the ball, and that should be it. It should be a... a Buzzer goes off of a crosses. End of story. Um, and I think that's why they're going for these kind of high-tech, low-tech solutions to it. Uh, but yeah, I'm in favour. I agree with you, to be honest. The the video technology is there. We should use it. Uh, and I, you know, and let's other sports. I mean, this is like the NRL have their video, and and, yeah. off, and if they can't decide. The referee's call original call stands. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. Like, or you know, benefit of the doubt or whatever. My personal preference, and I know I get slaughtered for this because it is getting a little bit American, is give like like they've done in the tennis, like you've got in American football, is give the coaches two appeals. Yeah, yeah. And it's their choice when they play them. So yeah. Harry Redknapp, Harry Redknapp could have gone, bang! I want to appeal that. Yeah. yeah. Then it's the onus is on the coach because if something happens in the first minute that's contentious, are you going to appeal that? You might get it wrong. Yeah. And then you've, you've used one of your appeals, or maybe only one appeal in the game. Yeah. One critical decision. Yeah, you know, and, and then, it's a, then it could be an offside. It could be a throw-in. Yeah. You know, if a thinks that, it, 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 you know, that the frame was given the wrong I, way and a goal came, you know, it's like, but the onus is then, you're not stopping every single play. You're not, you know, like, then it's like, two, maximum of four key moments are going to be reviewed. Yeah. And, and if they can't decide from the video, then the referee's original decision stands. Yeah. yeah. I like that idea as well because uh, it's then going to take a lot of the steam out of post-match conferences. Absolutely. Complaining about well, penalty calls and the, the uh, fouls in the box, etc. If you didn't make the call at the time... Yeah, you obviously didn't think it was bad enough to appeal it. The only time you get when after you've used your two appeals. If, yeah. But invariably, we're not talking about referees making three and four and five bad decisions. It's, it's one. One or two decisions at yeah, 10 again. Yeah, and give them the chance to appeal it. Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. Like All right, that. we've sorted that. Yeah. Sep, hello. Listen up. Hang on. Is that Sep on the phone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Champions League. Let's talk about something else with regards to the Champions League games because both were, uh, were full of it, and that is play-acting and diving. I mean, Bayern Munich... Real Madrid 2-1. Uh, both, both you'd say, both games are now perfectly poised for the away legs with the home teams both uh, winning. Real Madrid got an away goal, 2-1 by Munich. Chelsea this morning beat Barcelona uh, 1-0. Um, but to me, I mean, I, I tweeted this yesterday. I was watching Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, and there was a period of about 15 minutes where it was unwatchable. Really? Because every single time the ball went anywhere near a contested challenge, People were roll, rolling on the floor. Frank Ribery was a disgrace. <laughs> there was one period, he got, I think he got Arbelo booked. And they showed it in slow motion. And there was no contact whatsoever. And he flung himself and then rolled around as if in agony. And then literally 20 seconds later, after the ref booked Arbelo, he stood over the free kick, taking the free kick. Now, if, that, if I'm the ref and I've just seen a guy rolling around on the floor in agony... And then he's bounces straight back up and says, I'd book him yeah. for ungentlemanly conduct because he clearly wasn't injured. Yeah. Yet he was failing that he was. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was just, un- I mean, and it's annoying because there are so many good players on display and often it's the same players. You know, you've got, Rib- I mean, you've got Ribery on one flank, Robin on the other. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> it's like, it was, and then this morning, you know, I mean, Didier Drogba, oh, 
how they actually watch that back and are happy with themselves, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you know, but then you look at it and you say, well, Drogba, you know, Ribery scored for Bayern, Drogba scored for Chelsea, one is the team in the game. Chelsea's tactics this morning were nine men behind the ball, four, five, one, really compact, four and five in front, Drogba up front, and their tactic was to play the ball up to Drogba and him to do absolutely anything possible to win a free kick. <laughs> it was astonishing. You know, there were, there were players like Wayne Rooney was on Twitter, Gary Neville was on Twitter going, this is embarrassing, yeah. you know, when you've but, got other players saying it's embarrassing, you know. But what have you got in charge at Chelsea? You've got a failed West Brom manager <laughs> in charge of Chelsea playing Barcelona. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with the 4-5-1 tactic and the, you know, like they no, conceded possession. I, but I, it's just... I, I think actually, I, you know, obviously it was, uh, it was gamesmanship and everything else that was trying to win the game. But at the end of the day, you've got a failed West Brom manager playing Barcelona but he's now, and, he's, and came away with the result. He's now got a better record than Hiddink had in the same amount of games at Chelsea. Yeah, uh, I think he's done a fantastic job. I don't think he's going to win any prizes for pretty football and uh, oh, no, I mean, he's, you know, sportsmanship, he's, but he's done a remarkably good job under the circumstances, I think. Uh, and yeah, Barcelona... And the worst, the worst thing is, is that you know already because of the way the ties are poised that the second leg is going to be worse. Yeah. Because you've got two teams going there to try and protect a home win. Yeah. So Chelsea are going to do nothing different. Yeah. You know, they're going to they're going to go for you know nil nil maybe try and nick a goal to make it really difficult. Bayern the same. But then you've also got the two Spanish sides. They're going to be doing everything within their power to win. A pen, an early penalty, early free kicks in dangerous areas I th- to put them under pressure yeah. or get, a, get an, a player sent off that changes the com- complex of the game completely. Yeah, and I think you've got two weeks as well where Guardiola is going to go away and think, right, <laughs> you saw it, you're going to do exactly the same again, obviously, yeah. they have to. So how am I going to break this down this time? And he will come up with something mm. and I can see it being an absolute carnage uh, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, but let's not take away from Chelsea's defensive performance, which was excellent. You know, very, very disciplined. Um, Ashley Cole, Gary Cahill came into the game. Peter Cech was was fantastic. They rode the luck. Barcelona at the bar and a post, but um, but I think you've got him to be. And they conceded seventy odd percent possession. I think. I think Xavi had, Xavi had completed like 127 passes after 80 minutes or so. <laughs> it's just like phenomenal. But, but again, I think that it's that mental toughness, you know, that we talked about with Adelaide is, you know, you, the way to, to, to beat a team like Barcelona or at least compete with them is to accept that you're not going to get 50% of possession yeah. and not get mentally deflated by that and, and let them play in front of you. Just yeah. be so disciplined to not get sucked out when they, play those neat little sort of one-twos because that's what they're trying to do they're trying to pull you out to then go and you see them do it so many times you know, I mean Germany did it to great effect with England in the World Cup when they hammered us their, their tactic was to try and pull one of the centre-backs out of position and then play someone in behind them and they didn't Chelsea were disciplined enough not to do that Ashley Cole had a, had a fantastic game I'm, I'm not his, his biggest fan certainly off the pitch but uh, on the pitch you can't argue with his quality yeah um, all right, so two, uh, as you say, fascinating uh, second legs. Um, I wouldn't like to bet on what the, what the final's going to be at this stage, but it uh, should be fascinating viewing for the right or the wrong reasons. Barca-Bayern is my tip. You reckon? And I think Barca are going to thrash Chelsea. Really? Yeah. 3-0, 5-0. I don't think so. I think there are a lot of Chelsea players for whom this is their last chance. Yeah. And they'll, they'll remember that second leg at, at uh, Stamford Bridge. Um, all right, Premier League is now hotting up. We have uh, four, couple of teams. One team's got six games to go, but predominantly uh, four, four or five games to go. Uh, Wigan, astonishing run of results from Wigan. Just incredible. They've now beaten uh, Man United, Liverpool, and Arsenal in, in the last in their last four games. And still looking at relegation. Their form in the last 10 games is five wins, two draws, and three defeats. Incredible. Um, yeah, so they've now picked up their first ever victories <clears throat> against uh, 
Man United and Arsenal, the first victory at the Emirates, um, <clears throat> which has seen them climb to 16th. And you'd, I mean, five points clear of the relegation zone now. They're, they're certainly looking safer than they were, but I'm still not convinced that uh, they've, they've got the quality to stay there. Even despite these wins, despite this, despite everything, I still think they should go down. Uh, Villa got spanked, not surprisingly, at Man United. Um, again, let's talk about the dive of Ashley Young. Ridiculous. That was the most appalling dive I've seen in a long time. And we've seen a lot of them recently, but yeah. that was just shocking. You know, no contact. If anything, like that, Kieran Clark's pulling his foot away yeah. and Ashley Young plants his foot. It's so premeditated. Just and, any contact at all. And, and particularly coming days. the week after he's got the guy sent off in the last game. Yeah. For QPR, it does exactly the same. No, nah, I thought that was appalling. It was just horrified. And, you know, the theatrical way of... It wasn't just falling to the ground. No, no. It was up a full-on flinging his legs out. As if somebody had just, you know, really taken the legs out from underneath. I didn't get a response from Rio Ferdinand on Twitter when, uh, after the game, he said, oh, I'm knackered, I'm just about to dive into bed. And I replied, <laughs> I bet Ashley Young's beating you to it. <laughs> didn't get a response. Really. Um, so, yeah, so Villa, uh, I'm still not convinced. Uh, we're only now a point ahead of Wigan. Um, we're six points away from the relegation zone. However, uh, we play Bolton uh, on Tuesday, a rearranged game. It was obviously postponed in the wake of the Moamba uh, incident, which has now been rearranged for Tuesday. Um, which could be a massive game because uh, talk about six pointers that's certainly one um, Man City uh, had put the pressure on the day before Man United who obviously responded but Man City went and uh, spanked Norwich 6-1 probably the first belt in Norwich have got yeah. um, and, it, it, and to be fair I think that it was a little similar to their win at Old Trafford in that it was, it was in the last sort of five minutes that the score really blew out um, but Tevez back with a hat trick should have had a penalty. Yeah, I think you know I think it's unfair on Norwich. It's not a fair reflection of their season to be thumped like that. But they are looking for uh, City are looking for goals in the same way Man United are looking for goals at the moment. They both know that it could come down to goal difference at the end, so they're taking every opportunity they can to notch up as much. Um, it was interesting. Man United were f- paying fourteen dollars to score four goals or more. Uh, and I very nearly got on that really against Villa yeah. I backed five goals in the game I backed four and a half goals or over oh really I only got like four to one on that yeah no it was 14 to score four or more and if I'd had any money in my account I would have uh, taken that I couldn't be bothered putting any in I, I, I will admit sorry Villa fans I did find myself for the for injury time willing a fifth goal <laughs> so my money would come in I thought, well, at least we're going to get spanked I might as well earn some money out of it um, okay, so the, the, the gap at the top is uh, is five points. Obviously, the, the, the critical game is looming on the horizon. I think it's uh, a week on Saturday, or I'm sure it probably be moved to the Sunday, uh, which is the Man United Man City derby. Which will, uh, if Man United win that, will probably uh, decide the championship. And I'm sure they'd love to do that at the Etihad Stadium just to rub it in and get their uh, revenge for the Old Trafford massacre. Um, the race for fourth is still. Very, very interesting. Um, obviously, Arsenal's defeat um, sort of opened the door again a little bit for Spurs, but also for Newcastle. I mean, everyone talks about Spurs, but Newcastle are, are equal on points with Spurs, so uh, we do need to include um, Newcastle. Oh, Newcastle. And probably <coughs> Chelsea still in that, you know? Yeah, I think Newcastle still, for my money, uh, are the one with the form. They've got the run going at the moment much more than uh, either Spurs or uh, Chelsea have. Uh, I fancy Newcastle for fourth place quite definitely. Uh, and well, the last five games they've actually got the, they've won all five. No one's done that. Yeah, and I maybe even a push for third to be honest. The way they're going, uh, I love the way Newcastle are running Ben Arfa uh, and Cisse together. Lethal double eight. Yeah, Ben Arfa's sort of um, he's always you know, been dismissed as you know like unmanageable, too tricky, and Pardew seems to have Just you know somehow got the best out of him. Obviously, he had a horrific injury not long after he got there, and um, you know I think Pardew seems to have uh, found the, the the solution to to get him playing, which is uh, 
because there's no doubt in his talent. Um, obviously, games this weekend, uh, some big ones here. Arsenal-Chelsea, massive game. Obviously, this, this is probably the one game where Chelsea would be hoping for Wolves at home so they could rest a few people. But, you know, this is a big dilemma for Di Matteo. Does he rest some key players and, you know, you effectively then maybe surrendering any hope of qualifying for the Champions League, which then you're putting your eggs in getting a result of the new Camp to, and then you've still got to win the final to qualify, or does he put a full-strength side out against Arsenal to try and secure fourth? Well, I mean, the alternative is he's really running the risk of not getting into Europa Tour next yep. season, so he has yeah, to. Yeah. Every game is no, vital I think for that. No, so. I think so. Uh, Villa Sunderland, return of Martin O'Neill to, uh, to Villa Park, which I'm sure he'll get a warm and friendly Birmingham welcome. <laughs> Um, Blackburn-Norwich, massive game for Blackburn. They, yeah. uh, they've been pulled right back into the relegation zone. Uh, they're second bottom on 28 points. Um, Norwich, comfortable. Uh, probably be smarting a bit from the defeat of Man City. We'll look to make amends for that. Bolton-Swansea, yeah, big game for Bolton. Swansea is safe. Um, Bolton have got you know two massive games with Swansea and Villa in the, over the space of four days, so they could their fortunes could change massively over those four games for better or worse. Uh, Fulham host Wigan. Can Wigan keep that ridiculous run of form going? Uh, Fulham, as you say, yeah, really in that group of you got sort of Liverpool, Sunderland, Fulham, Norwich, Swansea, West Brom that haven't really got an awful lot to play for at the moment. They're not going to go down. They're not going to qualify for Europe. Um, Newcastle uh, host Stoke, so you probably make Newcastle host that for six wins on the bounce to keep the pressure on. Newcastle stand to be big winners this weekend because if they can Q- win that QPR game, host Arsenal, and Chelsea, Spurs. maybe draw. Two London derbies, um, always uh, always tough games. Sunday, Man United Everton. Um, on paper, you'd say that this is a tough game for Man United, but Everton always seem to have an awful record, particularly at Old Trafford. Yeah. They never seem to do very well there. So um, I think if you look at the, you, you might think that's close tie, but I'd imagine if you go onto the bookies, it, it won't be that at all. Yeah, and United's run a form at the moment as well. They're unstoppable. Yeah, Liverpool host West Brom. As you said, two teams there. Liverpool obviously will have an eye on the uh, FA Cup final. Uh, Wolves, Man City. Um, you'd probably take Man City to, uh, to, to comfortably win that, which will see both teams winning. Another thrashing, over four and a half goals in that game. Let's have a look at that one. And Villa Bolton on Tuesday. Um, so it's all hotting up, plenty to play for, um, which is good. Bottom, top, Europe, all still up for grabs. So it should be a compulsive viewing. That's it for part three. We'll be back in the final part of this week's 442 Insider Podcast to preview the grand final. So stay with us. The new issue of 442 is on sale now. We talk to Arsenal captain Robin Van Persie about how he became the most lethal striker in the EPL and Man City, while United legend Dennis Law answers your questions. Come with us to Russia to catch up with Socceroo Luke Wilkshire. We meet Brisbane Roar's Ivan Franich and ask whether the tackle is dead in modern-day football. If it's in the game, it's in 442. On sale now at Newsagents and the App Store. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. Now we turn our attention back to Australia and uh, Suncorp Stadium to be precise, where Sunday, 4 o'clock, the A-League champions will be decided. Brisbane Raw versus Perth Glory. Now, there is nobody better to preview this game than that. My guest, Mr. Kevin Ayres, who has been working all week on the grand final programme. Yeah. So there's nothing that Kev doesn't know about these two teams and how they're going to play. So, Kev, over to you. Where do we see it? <laughs> um, it's look, going to be billed as beautiful Brisbane against direct Perth glory. It is, yeah. Is, is that how it's going to play out, do you think? I think, you know, in a nutshell, you, you can't get away from the fact that that's, that's their styles. That's how they've been playing to and both play to the strengths when they, they come across like that. Uh, the bookies have Roar almost as unbackable favourites uh, and you can understand that as well home ground tremendous run of form during the season certainly uh, domestically they were doing very well right up to the end um, however I think the bookies and a lot of the pundits are discounting Perth Glory far too easily uh, Perth Glory on their day are as good a team as any in the this season. 
they've got the squad, they've got the experience. They may not have the same speed uh, of roar. They may not have the the pretty passing of roar, but they know how to win their games. Uh, they didn't get into the final by you know uh, default by accident. Uh, they they did it with deliberate tactics that were designed to get them more goals than the opposition. And uh, I think we've got a cracker in the show. Mm-hmm. I really do. Um, I don't think Roar have this in the bag in the way that the the bookies the bookies are offering like one dollar twenty I saw uh, on Roar, which is just it's not worth putting any money on Roar for that. Yeah. Because I don't think it's that much in the bag. Roar definitely would appear to what glory pain three dollars twenty five I think uh, the last time I looked, but if you uh, Take it. Uh, in fact, no, it's worse than that. It's four dollars something. Uh, wow. within, that within ninety minutes. Within ninety yeah. minutes. Yeah. Uh, if you take it down to take, picking up the trophy, it's three three dollars twenty, and even that is generous, uh, in my opinion. Uh, there's a lot. I mean, I actually grew up opposite Stephen McGarry's wife. She lived literally across the road from right. me, uh, St. Myrne, where Stephen McGarry and Billy Mehmet came from. Uh, was my home team. I was the editor of the local paper in St. Mern when they uh, they won the Scottish Cup uh, back in the 80s. So I've got a, a lot of connections with them. That was St. Mern one, not Billy Mehmet and Steve. No, no, unfortunately, no, they, were, they were teenagers, probably not even teenagers in those days. Uh, and uh, Fergie, of course, was my year of Rangers uh, when I was at school and was at staunch Rangers school. So I've got a lot of connections with Perth, and as soon as they uh, qualified on the weekend, I went out and immediately bought my Perth Glory away top, which I was wanting to wear today, but it's not turned up in the post yet. Uh, so hopefully I'll be wearing that on Sunday, and I'll be cheering those boys on. I think they've done all bloody well to, to get where they are, and uh, I can see them going all the way. And where, I mean, where do you think the, the, the opportunity for Perth is? I, I, you know, there's, there's probably, I'd say, you know, Two or three key players for them. Smelts, obviously. Do, you know, you can't go past somebody who has got that innate ability oh, to look, put the I mean, ball in the back of the net. What you've got are the two best strikers in the league, in the history of the league. Yeah. Uh, you know, Besser Borussia broke the record for most goals in the season. Shane Smelts just broke the record for the most number of goals in the A-League. Uh, you could not have a more titanic battle of uh, A-League strikers, which in itself is brilliant. Uh, but at the other end as well, you've got two very, very good defences. Uh, you've got uh, Theocletus, uh, Adnan, Matt Smith, and then you've got these brilliant uh, full-backs that uh, Roar have got in Franich and uh, a Stefanuto. Uh, Franich, especially up the right wing, owns every <coughs> blade of grass. Uh, but, you know, with uh, Perth Glory, they've got solid defence in uh, Vandenbrink. Uh, and while they might not have the same marauding fullback mentality, they've got you know great midfielders and Andrezino, who I think is a one of the the best left wingers uh, in the the, the A League, uh, possibly in the history of the A League. He just doesn't have the stamina. Uh, yeah. But he, even that's coming on for him during the course of the season. He's he's now putting in 80 minutes plus and uh, fantastic on the ball, fantastic vision. Liam Miller in the centre. Well, Miller v. Browitz are the two playmakers, yeah. you know, and, and Miller, we, you know, we talked about Miller before he played for Perth as potentially, uh, you know, I know Trev tipped him for the Johnny Warren medal winner in, the, in our pre-season su- supplement. You know, is, is this his time? You know, is someone I, that's got big game experience, big crowd experience, you well, know, will look, he look at that and go, bring it on, you know? Like, oh, definitely. You know, this uh, guy who's played in Old Trump matches and uh, he played for Man United at Old Trafford, he is more than capable of rising to the occasion and of coping with a big crowd, an angry big crowd as well. Uh, so I think uh, this is his time to, to shine. It's interesting. We had to do the, the, the team of the season for the, the grand final program and we had this central midfield role and you had uh, Fred who obviously made a huge impact at Melbourne Heart. You had Broich who made a huge impact with, uh, with Roar. But we went, I, we chose uh, Liam Miller uh, to go with because what he brought to Perth Glory wasn't just brilliant football. He lifted Glory up to a whole new level. Uh, in my opinion, and while Glory are 
masters of the direct style. Uh, what Miller brings in the centre is that's that quality, that class, that vision that is yeah. not direct style. That is just that's beautiful uh, football. And he lifts Perth Glory so much more than Broich does. Broich's surrounded by good players playing his style. Uh, Liam Miller brings class quality uh, and a stamp of respectability to, to Glory. So I think that's going to be a fabulous mark-up, a match-up. You've also got the, the, the two defensive midfielders uh, who are, again, the two best in the league, in my opinion, in uh, a Jacob Burns and uh, Eric Partelou. I think Partelou wins that battle personally because he's such more of, uh, he's much more of an aggressive attacking force as well as a defensive well, midfielder. So more aggressive than, than Jacob Burns? Never. In attack. In attack. <laughs> <laughs> and he, although, to, be, to his credit, you know, he, Jacob Burns does seem to have, this season, cut out the stupid stuff. I, I think you know, this he, is, he seems to have managed to channel his aggression in the right way. Like last season, I think he, this is he one just of, got involved in too many... He did. Idiotic yeah. sort of afters that, yeah. was no, that did him no favours, you know. Uh, I think this is one of Fergie's uh, greatest achievements, is that he's managed to, to tame Steve Pantelidis in defence. Yeah. He's tamed Jacob Burns. He's maintained their aggression, focus and tackling ability and, you know, all the defensive qualities that you want. But he's, he's probably just talked to him from experience. Exactly. he was no shrinking violet himself. Precisely. And you know, probably said, look, you know, like in, a, in an old firm game, it's no good if you get yourself sent off in the first five minutes. You know, you've right. got to channel it in the... Be aggressive, be strong, but, you know, don't get involved in anything stupid. I think it was Roy Keane that says you only have to make one aggressive tackle in your life <laughs> and then everybody knows about it and nobody will come near you. Uh, Burns and Pantelidis were doing that every game. They didn't need to. Everybody knows what Burns and Pantelidis are capable of. You don't need to keep proving it every match uh, and getting sent off as a result. Uh, Burns has gone this whole season with uh, without being dismissed. Pantelidis got one yellow card, I think, the whole season. I mean, both of them you could back on, on to get a yellow card in pretty much every game they played last Oh, season. look, any game that they played in, you could back a red card appearing and probably, you know, make money from it. And uh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but not this season. Uh, yeah, let's talk about the styles. You know, I, I think this is what makes football football. But, you know, so you talk to some people who are like, oh, but glory, too direct. You know, it's like anti-football. No, it's not. Not even so. It's about, you know trying to go against a team with a different tactic and, and win the game, you know, and as long as they do it within the rules of the game, I've no problem with it. I think it would be a fascinating final. Yeah, I think it will be. Uh, I mean, my, my heart bleeds for Central Coast Mariners not getting there, but having said that, I think Perth Glory will provide a much more entertaining spectacle this season. Last season was was last season. This season, uh, Glory, I think, are, are the much better opponent for uh, roar and it will bring something new to the grand final uh, and it's I'm just so pleased for the Perth Glory fans uh, and Tony Sage you know he's invested so much money over the past seven seasons without much reward up mm. to now uh, and it's brilliant it All really right. is let's go cards on the table what's it going to be what's your prediction <sighs> My heart says, can can it match last year's for drama? I think I think it, it can, whether it will or not. You know, last year's grand final was epic. It was you know, it was one of those matches for the ages of all codes of all leagues anywhere in the world. Uh, it was a brilliant final. To, to try and match that is a tall order. It could do. It probably won't, but I'd like to think it will. But I still think Perth Glory could sneak a win. I, I think I'm not saying there's no could in this bit, Kev. No. It's what do you, what do you think is going to happen? I've tipped three two oh, in ninety minutes. No, I've just tipped three right, two. Okay, uh, three two is my tip. I'm going to go for that. Okay. For, for glory. For glory. Yep. All right. I'm going to go for a very tight, very nervous, but good quality cat that's going to be decided by one goal. It's going to be one nil. I think it's going to be... Seriously? Yep, yeah, I think it's going to be... Smelts just, and Besher. Yeah, I think there's just going to be one goal in it. Remember Sydney Mariners season one? I think it's going to... You know, Melbourne, Adelaide season it's a lot of four. A lot of history of 1-0 one, one wins, Yeah, certainly. I think it's going to be one of those games. I think it'll be quite end-to-end. I think it'll be quite open. But I just think it'll be just two good defences. I think there'll be... Um, I think it'll just be one moment, one moment of brilliance that yeah. will decide it. And I'm going to go for... 
Brisbane one nil with a Browitch screamer. Yeah, interesting. So we'll be back next week to discuss how wrong we were. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've pretty much covered both angles. You know, tight, big scoring. Tight. And yeah, and next week we'll also uh, I think we'll do our A League uh, awards. We'll uh, release those uh, exclusively on the uh, on the podcast next week, and then we'll put them on the website for you to. Uh, Laugh at us and uh, have your opinion. So, uh, and that will be our last podcast for this A League season, and we'll be back for the Euros, uh, no doubt. Small matter of a t- big tournament in Europe. Um, so, yeah, so enjoy the grand final wherever you are, whether you're there. Um, enjoy it, be loud, be proud. Uh, if you're not, watch it on TV, have a few lagers, and we'll be back to pick the bones out of it next week. Thanks for joining us. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.